Welcome to Dollars and Cents with your host, certified financial planner and president of North Main Financial Group in Cornelius, Joshua Doby. Securities and investment advisory services offered through Osaic Wealth Incorporated. Member FINRA, SIPC, North Main Financial Group, LLC is not affiliated with Osaic Wealth Incorporated. Investing involves risk, including the loss of principal. The views expressed in the show are not necessarily the opinion of Osaic Wealth Incorporated. All good. Hello and welcome to Dollars and Cents, presented by North Main Financial. I'm your host, Joshua Doby. Thank you so much for tuning in with us here to the four o'clock hour here on Dollars and Cents. I love this time of the day. Uh, you're on the sprint home at this point, especially if you're a nine to five or you're on the sprint home. You're not there yet. You Got to sprint across that finish line. We got to make sure that we get there. But uh, but in fifty three minutes and eleven seconds, you're going to be there. So appreciate you uh, tuning us in though here on WSIC to uh, to listen to Dollars and Cents and to give some attention to and perhaps even spark some conversation regarding items of financial and economic importance. Now, you know, there's a previous listener. We're talking on any number of subjects here. We're going to be looking at a number of different things today. We're going to be talking about specific companies. We're going to be raising uh, certain companies out. We've got the tail end of earnings season. We're talking on those kinds of things about where companies are and more, perhaps more importantly, about where they see things going. But you know, as a previous listener, again, that nothing that we're talking about here is intended as a specific recommendation for you. Meaning that even though we're going to be talking about these companies and strategies, and perhaps we may even be talking about some things in a favorable light, other things in a not so favorable light. Again, it's very, very important to remember everybody's situation is unique. We strongly recommend that you reach out to your tax advisor, to your financial advisor, or if you'd like to reach out to us at North Main Financial Group, perhaps to talk about your particular financial situation, always happy to do that. Online, you can find us, northmainfinancial.com. That's north like the direction, main like the street, financial.com. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in again to Dollars and Cents presented by North Main Financial. As I mentioned, my name is Joshua Doby. I'm a CFP or certified financial planner professional. Uh, been in this business uh, oof, uh, once we come into uh, the new year here. I mean, this, this is kind of hard for me to believe here, Producer Bill. It's going to be year 29, which is amazing because I'm 33 years no, that's not true. Um, I, I wish I was. No, I don't even wish I was 33 years older anymore. 29 years of uh, of doing this. Looking forward to it uh, because uh, the alternative wouldn't be all that great, right? If we if we weren't getting across this line. So looking forward to it as we get into uh, to the new year. All right, hot headlines. This has become more. Uh, our style here getting kicked off, the hot headlines, the kinds of things you may be seeing on television, newspaper, online. If you're looking at news sources when we're talking about things that have to do uh, with all things economic and financial, I'm going to start with one of the biggest names out there. And, and I say biggest names in terms of market cap and also because of just recognition. Uh, so I'm going to toss it out there, Walmart. Walmart came out with earnings here this morning. Uh, Walmart, the largest retailer in terms of sales volume here in the country uh, and huge around the world, not just uh, not just here in the U.S., but certainly here in the U.S., dominant in terms of their amount of retail sales. Came out with numbers this morning, and it was a little bit of a, I don't know, call it a tale of two cities uh, for all of you uh, uh, good literature folks out there. It, was, it certainly was a... Was a it was a divergent kind of report because on the one hand, from a, from an earnings standpoint, revenue standpoint, uh, EPS, meaning earning per, earnings per share, looked good. I mean, I think it was uh, certainly by all, all metrics that the street was expecting that it came out looking pretty good. However, 
it was the go forward look that really, I think, I don't know if it spooked the market, but certainly uh, the stock sold off. It was down about seven, a little over 7% uh, just before I jumped on the air here. So when we're looking at uh, at Walmart and stock being down 7% one day, that's very unusual. That's a lot of negative movement in, uh, in one day. And the primary reason for that, by their own admission, is their concern about where the retail shopper is, where, where the retail uh, consumer is going forward and specifically looking forward for you know the next quarter or two and uh, and that's really what they stated and they're they're concerned about the ability for growth from the retail consumer here as they're looking at the Christmas retail season now you've heard me talk here on dollars and cents a lot about uh, about looking at the Christmas retail season to get a gauge on the consumer where uh, where are they and how intense is their desire to spend going to be? And, and I do that, uh, yes, because obviously the consumer is a big deal. But even on a numbers basis, the consumer is between two-thirds and three-quarters of our GDP or our gross domestic product. I'll put it in, in very quick terms. What the consumer does moves our economy in huge ways, meaning we are a spending economy. We are more a spending economy than we are in, say, um, producing value from uh, from large scale capital expenditure on on a um, on a socialistic kind of level. Obviously, we're not doing that. Uh, we are in, in indeed a capitalist uh, here ec- uh, economy. So when we're looking at you know what moves it, folks got to buy. And that has to be done not only on a retail level, but it also has to be done on a producer level as well, meaning as far as uh, work product is concerned and, and moving items. So uh, it's it's a very big deal. So when, when a retailer as large as Walmart comes out and says, you know, we have some concern about where the consumer is uh, over here over the next quarter or two, it definitely catches my radar. And uh, and so we're watching that. And I have to couple that and I have to, have to put it out there as well because we just had a report on retail spending here earlier in the week, again, as of the time of this live broadcast, or if you're listening to the recording as of the time of this recording, retail spending down, and this is on a month-over-month basis, so I don't want to get too caught up in the mm, small point nature of the data here, but it definitely is something to keep in mind, especially as we heard from Walmart again this morning. So again, trying to line up some data points. Retail spending down for the first month here since March, and the the postulation, at least insofar as this particular white paper was concerned, in in talking about that postulation being that the effects of higher interest rates are beginning to catch up with the consumer. Uh, that that was part of what was said by Walmart during uh, during their earnings report as well. So we're, when we're looking at those kinds of things, and we're looking at the uh, the obvious, you know, higher interest rates, which means higher rates on car loans, higher rates on mortgages, um, higher rates on credit cards, uh, meaning for revolving balances. You remember from a previous uh, edition of Dollars and Cents, I talked about how our revolving credit card debt, unfortunately, is positive, meaning larger. That's not a a correct term. Let's say larger, 30%, over 30% year over year, uh, which means Folks are needing to make larger payments on that kind of thing. Student loans, federal student loan payments kicked in here within the last 60 days. We've got a lot of strains and stressors on, on the consumer. And so I think we're starting to see those kinds of things relative to these uh, these reports now coming up to and including Walmart here this morning. So so what does that mean? Well, we're going to talk about that a little bit later on the show. That's a little bit of a teaser. I want to make sure that you hang around with us uh, here into the later parts of, uh, of dollars and cents. But it's something that we need to watch very closely. 
This next week, we're going to get Thanksgiving, and I love Thanksgiving, primarily because I love to eat. I'm not going to lie to you on that end of things, but also because it is the, I don't even know if it's official anymore. I feel like uh, the Christmas shopping season starts about as soon as uh, as, as we begin to push pumpkins out of the way uh, in uh, after Halloween. So, uh, But it, it historically has been the, the unofficial start of the, uh, the Christmas retail season. So we're going to be watching Black Friday, Cyber Monday, Small Business Saturday. I mean, we got them all. Uh, coming up here in the next week or two. And uh, we're going to be watching very closely about what that means as far as the consumer is concerned. Is the consumer confident enough to be able to spend in the ways they have been spending? Over the summer, very strong. Very strong numbers from the consumer. Here over the summer, I'll raise my hand first and quickly and say that was surprising to me. Didn't expect the consumer to be as strong as uh, as they were here over the summer. But now as we're starting to see some additional detail points, we uh, were watching and see if maybe we're running out of gas. And if we are running a little bit out of gas on the consumer end of things, that's going to have an impact as far as GDP is concerned. Well, friends, I appreciate so much uh, you tuning in to Dollars and Cents here this week. I'm going to take a deep breath as we hear from our sponsors. You're listening to Dollars and Cents here on WSIC News Talk Now. Hello and welcome back to Dollars and Cents presented by North Main Financial. I'm your host, Joshua Doby. Second quarter, second quarter of today's show, football reference. Um, I got, I got to speak a little bit to uh, to our Carolina Panthers, who uh, who did not play this past weekend because they were the Thursday night game. And um, I'm looking forward to the next game. I'm, I'm looking forward to the next opportunity uh, that, that we have here. I mean, even earlier this morning, and I, I just wasn't quick enough, uh, which is okay. Uh, that I wasn't quick enough. There, there was a giveaway here on WSIC of, uh, of a Panthers helmet. I'd, I mean, I, I understand the chief that uh, couldn't put it on his head. I'd Mine's my head's much larger, so I, I, I'm sure it wouldn't <laughs> wouldn't have fit on my head either. But boy, that would look good on my bookshelf. It would. Uh, so uh, so I got I got to be paying attention in better ways here on uh, when, on Good Morning LKN. Absolutely. Monday to Friday, seven to nine. Uh, Twelve days the, of Christmas coming up, December seventh. See, that's what I'm talking about. So we're gonna yes. have all kinds of giveaway. Oh yeah, nice gifts. I'm talking scooters. I'm talking. Are you kidding me right now? Let me say something that I'm not even sure. Computers? I don't yeah. know. What are we giving away? I mean, whatever, whatever we got that's not bolted down. Right. Uh, we're, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna, no, it's uh, it's going to be a great opportunity. 12 days of Christmas. Good morning, LKN. 7 to 9, Mondays to Fridays. Make sure you're tuning in there as well. But we appreciate so much. You're hanging with us into the second quarter here. And in, in the first uh, the first segment, we were talking about Walmart. And we were talking about uh, also some retail sales figures as well. And uh, probably was uh, a, a little bit, well, it's, it may have sounded negative to you, but we're, we're trying Trying to reflect things in terms of uh, how they're being presented from these uh, these kinds of entities. Walmart, the largest retailer here in the U.S., so very indicative of where a significant segment of the buying public or the retail public public is, and uh, and that's a big deal because that's what drives our GDP. That's what drives growth in this country in significant ways. So we're watching that very closely. It came out uh, the the numbers for the past quarter looking good, not so uh, not so optimistic, let's say, in uh, in looking at this next quarter. So we'll be watching that closely. We're going to pivot a little bit, and I'm going to talk about something that probably is uh, is going to be, uh, well, it might put a smile on your face, even if you don't like them. I got to admit, I do like them. And, uh, and it's Oreo cookies. Now, you may be saying, what does Oreo cookies have to do uh, with anything economic and financial? Well, uh, certainly when we're talking about the production end of things, Oreos are a big deal. And there's some speculation here, Producer Bill. There is some speculation, and this, is, this was first... 
reported by the Wall Street Journal, just so you don't think I'm making this up. Um, so, so the esteemed Wall Street Journal first reported this. That uh, uh, Mondelez, Mondelez is a very large international conglomerate uh, uh, food manufacturer, uh, which owns Oreos, or the Oreos brand, produces Oreos. Uh, there was some speculation that the cream filling, so the vanilla, well, it's not just vanilla. You can get peanut butter. You can get all kinds of stuff in the middle now. But the vanilla cream filling inside of Oreos may be um, less or it has been reduced uh, without any kind of, uh, of acknowledgement. As a matter of fact, Mondelez has even said that, no, we have not. But there is some semi-empirical evidence that, you know, inflation, I don't know, co- cost of goods, I, I, I don't know. But it, I mean, so you may not be getting the full bang for your buck. I don't want to say that. What I'm saying probably is you got to go out and buy a, buy a container of uh, yeah, Oreos. Yeah, I'll, I'll test this theory. I, 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 I'd, 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 I'd like to be the guinea pig <laughs> yeah. to be able to prove this. And I don't think one uh, one package is going to be enough. No, it's I need of, significant evi- evidence. I, I, yeah. I, I don't think that that's going to be uh, – and, and I don't want to just do the vanilla cream. Let's do peanut butter cream. Right, well, do, we don't just want one yeah. data data point. No, we do, we do not. We do not. We want to make sure that we're lining them up. Right. right? Exactly. That's right. Because I mean, one cookie. All right. So the machine may have, you know, may, may right. have missed. Happens. But, uh, but if I have, uh, I don't know, 40, 50, <laughs> uh, I should be able to get a pretty round data set there. That's uh, right. <laughs> so kind of interesting, but it was in the wall street journal, uh, that, uh, that, that, that some folks who are, uh, let's say avid consumers of Oreo cookies are saying that the vanilla cream is just not at the same volume. And we're not talking double stuff or what was Mega stuff was yes. there, there was one even yes. bigger than double stuff, yes. right? Yeah. Uh, where if you just couldn't get enough vanilla cream, you could just go right over the top of uh, yeah, bordering on the edge of gluttony, right? And <laughs> and, uh, and, and and found that as well. So, but th- these were on the ordinary ones and saying that there really wasn't a whole lot. And actually, the double stuff, you know, looked and and tasted more like the the uh, the regular ones. I don't know. Go out and try them if you like them. I mean, and if you're not a not an Oreos fan, perhaps you're a Hydrox fan. Hydrox, the main uh, competitor uh, to uh, to Oreos, see, see if they're doing the same thing. I don't know if it's true or not. Either way, you're going to enjoy trying to find out. Um, <laughs> by the way, just sidebar, um, just in terms of the number of Oreo cookies produced in a year, this is just because this this is a financial show, so I got I got to say stuff. It's like a data this. point. It is a data point. Forty billion. <laughs> 40 billion Oreo cookies produced and implied consumed. 40 billion. I mean, I'm, I'm sure somebody's going to figure this out mathematically. You probably can stack those and hit the moon a couple right. of times. <laughs> 40 billion just... Oreos. I couldn't believe it when I was looking at that. Sold in 100 countries around the world. I mean, holy, 40 billion. Unbelievable. All right, uh, and and because we're getting into uh, to the holiday season here, we're gonna we're gonna keep on the fun theme. You're glad you're tuned into the second quarter here after uh, after hearing the not so glowing reports coming out of uh, coming out of Walmart here in the first quarter. Second data point uh, here is uh, in the second quarter here on dollars and cents. Um, th- this uh, again, I, if this wasn't in the now, I want to say this was in Barrons maybe that I that I saw this very interesting um, job opportunity. So if you, if you are are, uh, say, having a little bit of a slowdown here, or maybe uh, you are looking for work here over the holiday season, uh, if you go to, uh, and I, this is not an endorsement, I'm not telling you to do this, I'm not saying this is a great company, I'm not saying this is something you may want to do. However, as the holiday season, cabletv.com, and I'm not familiar with them at all, so this is just uh, an entity online, again, literally it is cabletv.com, is advertising uh, or soliciting uh, for folks to uh, submit an application uh, for the position of paid holiday movie watcher. 
Now, uh, interesting, uh, as, as I saw that, so that's, I wonder what the qualifications are. The answer is that there are no qualifications. All you need to do is to be one who is enthusiastic about holiday movies and be willing, uh, if you are the one who is selected, to watch 25 holiday movies in 25 days. And for that opportunity, uh, you then, or for that space, then you will be paid $2,500. So $100 a day, this is pretty amazing, $100 a day to consume a movie and provide some feedback. So they want, so it's, and and I guess there's not a whole lot of limitation on the, um, the listing of holiday movies. I mean, it's not 25 specific movies uh, included in that list, which I thought was kind of interesting and it, you know, appealed to somebody with uh, as much, well, maybe not as much hair as, uh, as I do. And the hair that I have left is, is graying immediately. Um, Die Hard. Okay. Now, die, yes. die Hard being a, a holiday movie. Now, yes. now for those of you who may be, uh, let's say, younger than thirty-five, you may not know what I'm describing. Um, but if you, it, and I, this because this movie was out a little while ago, this is when Bruce Willis still had hair. Oh yeah. Uh, as well, speaking of somebody who's like me, follically challenged, and uh, and, and it was. It was a it was a movie that was based around the holiday, but I wouldn't really right. call it a Christmas movie. Right? They did have like a Christmas party. Is that was that what they were at? I think yeah, that was like the context. Right? Right. Yeah, that was the setting for uh, for Die Hard. Right. And uh, so I'm not going to ruin it. If uh, if you want to check it out, I'm sure it's on Netflix or Amazon or one of the other I'm uh, st- st- streaming <laughs> services that's uh, that's out there. So anyhow, so a lot of flexibility, and I'm sure you get things like uh, Frosty the Snowman and other kinds of things. But what was amazing to me is again, no qualifications. But you watch 25 movies in 25 days, you get paid $2,500. Amazing. What a country. Yeah. Uh, what this, a time to be alive. This, <laughs> is, this is just amazing stuff that, yeah. uh, that, that's out there. I, I don't know if that speaks to the, um, how tight the labor market is right now, because I wouldn't think you'd have to solicit very hard to find it. Right. Right? I mean, I, I wouldn't think that, I'd think that line would be fairly significant if folks would say, well, sure, I'll watch it. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll watch 25 movies in 25 days. I did it for free. I did. <laughs> During Halloween. <laughs> well, I'm, well, well, I'm tying this into uh, to the to the previous note about uh, about Oreo cookies. So, I mean, you could probably combine the two, right? I mean, so I mean, I, if I could taste test Oreo cookies, Correct. to make sure that the uh, the cream volume, the vanilla cream volume, is uh, is where it should be while watching. I mean, I, while watching Christmas movies, I, I think that would probably that might be Nirvana. That's, that's definitely in my wheelhouse. That, that might that yeah. might that might be all that there is. That's in my uh, scope for in, sure. Uh, in this segment of things, <laughs> so it's a pretty interesting stuff, anecdotal kind of stuff uh, for sure. But um, but coming, you know, and really, I am going to wrap this into uh, some things that that are indeed economic and financial. Although being paid twenty five hundred bucks for watching twenty five movies, I think it's pretty financial when uh, when you're looking at that kind of thing. But when we're looking at it, you know, and we're talking about obviously the employment market. We're talking about the um, uh, the consumer here, and and, and it's it, it is a big item on our radar screen because one of the things that that will begin to take shape here over the next couple of weeks, and especially as we get into the new year is we're going to start to see the, the true effects of the significant increase in interest rates that we've had here over the last year and a half. And and when I say that, it's, it's because there has to be a material impact on spending. We just don't know the size, scale, and scope of it. Now, I have to say, and we're going to talk about this more in the fourth quarter. Again, a little bit of a teaser there. I want you to hang around to uh, uh, to the back end of the show, and we're talking about the markets and specifically how they've been performing and what we anticipate here going forward. But one of the things that, that uh, has been kind of 
interesting to see over the last couple of weeks is that we're starting to we, we're seeing a market that desires to go forward if they believe that the Federal Reserve has stopped raising interest rates. Now I don't know that they have or not. We're going to get the next meeting of the Federal Reserve here in a couple of weeks after Thanksgiving. Uh, the front end of December will be their final meeting for this calendar year. Uh, fi- I should say final scheduled meeting. They can always call one. Doesn't happen very often, but uh, but we anticipate it will be the final meeting for the year. And there's the market certainly with regards to the futures market is anticipating that they are not going to raise rates in this December meeting, which is decidedly different from what the market was thinking as short as four weeks ago that uh, that we thought that there would be because they skipped the last one. If you recall, they skipped the last time in not raising rates and with an anticipation that they would raise in December. Now the market based upon the futures uh, are looking at that they're not going to raise rates in December either, which has the market thinking now, the overall market thinking, perhaps we're at peak rates or specifically that we're ended at the end of the raising cycle. So the market has taken off here in the last couple of weeks. I mean, we had a really dour kind of September and October. And uh, then in the last couple of weeks, almost like when somebody turned the light on on November 1st, we just took off, especially on the more aggressive end of the market. And uh, that was very interesting to see. I don't know how that's going to sustain, but definitely there are parts of this market that are wanting for the Federal Reserve to be done and to be moving forward in terms of perhaps even the possibility of future cuts when it comes to the interest rates. All right, well, I'm going to take another deep breath here as we hit the halftime show. Uh, We're going to be hearing from our sponsors. Appreciate so much listening to Dollars and Cents here on WSIC. Hello and welcome back to Dollars and Cents presented by North Main Financial. I'm your host, Joshua Doby. Thank you so much. Hanging with us into the second half uh, here. And I and I get excited. Uh, some, uh, actually, I, I get excited to talk about this stuff all the time. But I get so excited sometimes that I don't let you know that you can actually call into the studio here. And if there are particular items that you'd like for us to address, particular subjects, I can't get into personal recommendations. You know that. Can't do that on the air here. But if there are certain things that you're seeing on your headlines you'd like us to discuss, always feel free to call into the show. I may not be able to get to them in a particular day, but if I don't get to them today, I'll get to them in the next show. I promise you that. 844-STUDIO-4. That's 844-788-3464. One, one more time, 844-788-3464 here in the studio. Love to hear from you. Love to chat about what may be on your mind, what kinds of things you're seeing. So, so far uh, in today's show, if, if you didn't catch the first half, which by the way, we're on all the social platforms as well, WSICnews.com, YouTube, LinkedIn, X. I actually, I called it right there. I was going to say Twitter, but now it is, it is X. Uh, we're on all of them. Check it out. Uh, if, if you happen to miss the first half, uh, you missed out on Walmart, Oreos, and um, and football. So, uh, so some pretty good stuff uh, there. And, and holiday movies. How could I forget holiday movies where you get paid to watch movies as well? But we're going to pivot a little bit here, third quarter, the third quarter here, and uh, and look at uh, something. We, we call this segment What to Know. And when we say uh, What to Know here on Dollars and Cents, it's really the kinds of things that may be applicable to you or to folks that you know. It may not be. It may not be something that's high on your radar screen, but we see it a lot at North Main Financial Group. And so we just like to take a, a segment and to talk about uh, some of the things that we're seeing with uh, significant regularity 
And then I'm going to bring something that's actually timing-wise uh, happening right around uh, this time of the year. And uh, specifically, it has to do with charitable giving. Charitable giving meaning that if you are giving to a 501c3, 501c3 is the section of the Internal Revenue Code, the IRC. I'm going to just bring out acronyms nonstop here. Uh, of the Internal Revenue Code that, uh, that designates a nonprofit institution or a nonprofit entity. So an entity to which, if you give... Uh, you may be able to have some tax benefit. Now, it's not true for everybody, and there are a whole bunch of parameters to keep in mind, but generally speaking, there are opportunities if you give cash or assets to a 501c3 entity or some other uh, sections, uh, frankly, of Section 501, uh, that uh, you might be able to have a tax benefit uh, on your tax return. And so we're, we're dealing with that a lot this time of the year because we're getting close to the end of the year, and this is the time when folks sometimes are, are thinking about these kinds of things, but also because if you want it to be applicable to this tax year, you need to have it done before December 31st. And that's really the big item to keep in mind. Number one item to keep in mind here as we're talking about charitable giving, that if you want it to be applicable to this tax year, you need to make sure that the process or the giving process is completed by the end of the year. Now, you may be saying, well, if I write a check, of course, it's going to be done uh, by the end of the year. And that may be true, but there are other ways to give as well. So let me allow that to be a pivot to another very popular giving technique that we use a lot for clients at North Main Financial. And that has to do with the gifting of appreciated assets. So I'm not looking at retirement accounts. I'm not looking at 401ks, IRAs yet. We're going to talk about that in a few moments. But I'm looking at non-qualified assets where perhaps there is some embedded capital gain. And so folks may say, okay, what's an embed, embedded capital gain? Let me just give you a quick example. So I'm just, I talked about Walmart earlier. So let me just use Walmart stock. Walmart's a publicly traded company. You can buy, sell uh, Walmart. This is not a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold Walmart. I'm just using it as an example. Uh, so let's say that you bought Walmart stock a number of years ago. And uh, let's say you bought it at $10 a share. This is not true, but it, let's say you bought it at $10 a share. And now it happens to be traded at $50 a share. You have what's called an embedded gain. If you haven't sold that stock, you have an embedded gain of $40 per share, meaning that if you sold that stock yourself, you would have a declarable gain or a recognized gain of $40 per share. Now, if you want to avoid that, that meaning to have that gain uh, hit your tax return, you are able to gift those shares of Walmart, in my example, to a nonprofit institution, and then the nonprofit institution can sell those shares and not incur a capital gain event, meaning that they would... I shouldn't say that. They would incur a capital gain event. They would just not pay tax on it. And so that is a very popular gifting mechanism that we use for clients at North Main Financial, where they have uh, shares that perhaps they've held for a long time, whether it's in a stock or a mutual fund or a bond of some kind, that they then would like to gift to a nonprofit institution. It's a very tax-efficient way to, uh, to, to, to contribute to a nonprofit entity. And so we do that a lot. So looking at the gifting of appreciated shares is a very popular mechanism for uh, for gifting, meaning for uh, for charitable giving. Next item uh, with regards to gifting, a very popular technique. This is for folks who are age 70 and one half or older. And you say, what, a, what is being age 70 and a half? Why, why 70 and a half? Well, because that's what the IRS has said to us is the age at which you may make what are called QCDs. Another acronym, Qualified Charitable Distributions. So what exactly are those? QCDs are the opportunity to gift from your IRA or other retirement account to a charitable entity and not pay 
pay tax on that gift if you do it directly from the retirement account to the charitable institution. But you must be age 70 and a half to do that. There is a limit per person of $100,000 per year, meaning if you gift more than $100,000 out of your retirement account, you can only deduct or reduce uh, by $100,000 the amount of that gift from your taxable income. It is a very, very, we, we do it a lot at North Main Financial. It is a wonderful uh, tax efficient way to be able to gift if you're charitably inclined because you are probably gifting assets, if you're doing it correctly, you are gifting assets on which you have never paid tax. Meaning if it's from a pre-tax account, it went in in a tax-advantaged way. It has grown or appreciated possibly inside of that account. You haven't paid tax on any of that gain, and then you gift it to a charitable institution. They're, again, assets on which you have never paid any income tax. And folks, I don't know about you, but there are precious few parts of our lives that I encounter where we can be that tax efficient, meaning ways in which we don't have to pay income tax on, uh, on assets at some point along the way. So again, if you are age 70 and one half or older and you have a retirement account and you would like to, to gift to a charity, I would strongly encourage you to check out QCDs, Qualified Charitable Distributions. If you'd like to reach out to us at North Main Financial to chat about that, happy to do that. You want to do so quickly. We're getting close to the end of the year. And if you want it to be applicable to, the, to this tax year, we would need to move quickly on that. NorthMainFinancial.com, you can find us. And, uh, and certainly we can chat about how that may work for you. But again, it's a very efficient way of, of gifting assets to a charitable institution. Now, you can also do the more normal end of things. When I say more normal in that most folks who gift are often doing so uh, from by writing a check or by gifting cash or liquid assets. Uh, and you certainly can do that. There's, there's nothing that is inherently wrong with that. And there may be ways in which, depending upon your particular situation, if you itemize deductions on a Schedule A as an atom, you may be able to deduct uh, uh, most or all, or let me say this, some or all of your cash contribution as well. So that also is a way to do it. But there also are ways to gift other assets. And I talked about appreciated shares of, uh, of a publicly traded company, but you can also gift other assets as well. Where we have seen that uh, most often at North Main Financial is with real estate. Meaning that real estate, which has been held for a long time, uh, can be gifted as well. It is also a capital asset. A uh, little bit more paperwork, a little bit more challenge in terms of documenting that appropriately, both in terms of your cost basis and also in terms of the fair market value, different than Walmart stock, right? Because Walmart stock, you look at the ticker and uh, you can find very quickly where it's trading real estate. You need to go through an evaluation process, an appraisal process in order to be able to take the appropriate amount of deduction on that. And so there's a little bit more process that goes along with that, but certainly, again, a very efficient way to be able to gift to a charitable entity. There are also other entities out there that will accept cars and boats and other kinds of assets. I'll tell you very quickly, those are not securitized assets. I don't know the process as well for those kinds of things, but I see them advertised all the time where you can gift a car, you can gift a boat. I think that's kind of interesting uh, that you can do that as well, but I'm sure there's more of a process of appraisal and making sure that you get the correct market value for those kinds of things as well. So again, as we're approaching the end of, uh, of the calendar year, this kind of conversation is happening a lot uh, here at North Main Financial. And, and in, the reason for that is because folks are looking for ways in which they can take deductions against taxable income on their tax return. Now, it's different for everybody. Everybody's situation is unique. And so there are also limitations relative to the deductibility of contributions that you're going to want to keep in mind also. A lot of variables in that algorithm, so I'm not going to go into the details here as we're talking about charitable 
gifting. We strongly, strongly recommend reach out to your tax advisor, accountant, CPA, financial advisor. You want to make sure in advance of making the gift that you're doing so in the ways which benefits you the most. Uh, it's certainly if you're looking for the opportunity to deduct against taxable income, you want to make sure that you're doing it in ways, again, that benefits you in the greatest ways. So if you're looking at capital assets, if you're looking at assets that have embedded gains associated with them, definitely some opportunity to do that there. Biggest item, I'm going to end like I started here on this segment. Biggest item is you want to get that process done before December 31st. Very, very big deal because especially with some of these more complex transactions, you got to make sure that the gift is completed by that time. Cash assets a little bit different, but you want to make sure it's completed if you're looking at capital assets. Well, friends, we're going to take a break. Come back from the fourth quarter. You're listening to Dollars and Cents here on WSIC. Hello and welcome back to Dollars and Cents presented by North Main Financial. I'm your host, Joshua Doby. Thank you so much for hanging with us into the fourth quarter football reference. Producer Bill, who do the Panthers have this week? Do you know? I, I don't know either. I don't know off the top of my head. I don't either. And that's a shame. That um, is a shame. Because I, I, I kind of tuned out a little bit because they didn't play last weekend. They had the Thursday night game. Uh, there, uh, if, if you're an Amazon person, I think it was on Amazon Prime that uh, that you could watch that. So, but I don't know who they have this week. I don't know, but I will find out. All right. But it's, it's an opportunity uh, for our Panthers again uh, again here this week. We're looking, we're looking to start a, uh, a, a new streak. That's uh, that. That's where we are for uh, for this week. So it's. Our, can I still say it's? I can't say it's early. Can I still say it's early? I mean, or can I just absolutely plagiarize Yogi Berra and say it's not over until it's over? Uh, can I? I can do that. I think so. Absolutely. I'm, we I'm, got. We have the. Uh, we have the Cowboys this weekend. Do okay. Yeah. All right. Are, are we? Uh, we at Dallas? Uh, is that because uh, I, I don't think. Oh. No. I think we're here. We're at, here at, okay. at Carolina, but it might okay. look like Dallas. <laughs> I saw tickets going for uh, ten bucks. Oh, <laughs> okay. All right. An opportunity. That's right. what. I, buy I, low, right? Buy low. That's what we're gonna do. <laughs> buy low. Let's do it. Although I was uh, disgruntled again when I uh, realized, and and this was, it was on ESPN or something uh, along those lines that was um, declaring that uh, the Chicago Bears. Uh, who we played here recently, uh, w- their chances of having the number one draft pick were mostly a function of the fact that we happened to trade away our number one draft pick to the Chicago Bears uh, before uh, for this season, meaning that they may get there on their own, let's call it demerits, uh, their own record, but there was a greater chance that because of the less than glowing record of the Panthers, there was actually a greater chance that that would give them the number one draft pick. Uh, you know what? And I, I am going to do that. We still love them. We're fans no matter what. It, it, it doesn't matter. We're, we're going to keep going with it. Thank you so much for hanging with us into the fourth quarter here. I could talk football for an entire quarter. It wouldn't be all that hard for uh, for me to do that. But I know you've been hanging around to the fourth quarter here to talk about the markets and uh, and to hear what we're, we're seeing and, and what we're anticipating here uh, in the near term. As I mentioned here uh, a segment ago, very surprised here at the last couple of weeks uh, where we have seen significant ends of the, let's call it the more aggressive growth end of the market, which has, which have really popped 
They really have. And and there's a lot of speculation about why that's the case. And and I think there are several variables in play. One end of the market, I, I would be fairly certain, is anticipating, call it guessing, that the Federal Reserve is done raising rates, that we're at peak rates. And so because of that, there is a, an easier pathway to quantifying more aggressive or growth-oriented assets because now we have, let's call it a semi-stable rate, uh, at least on the benchmark uh, 10-year treasury. So I, I think that's, that's part of it and that we're seeing out there, certainly with the buying intensity on the more aggressive end of the markets, that's definitely has been in play because we've seen some significant moves. I mean, the S&P 500 here in the last couple of weeks is positive very nearly 10% uh, in that time frame. Now, you've heard me talk about the S&P 500 a lot in terms of how the index is put together. Remember, it's market cap weighted, market capitalization weighted. What that means is the largest companies have the largest influence over the movement of the S&P 500 index. The reason why that's important is because the largest companies companies, 11 of them, are technology companies. So right now, the S&P 500 index is largely a function of our mega cap technology sector. I'm not saying that because it's right or wrong, good or bad. It's important to be aware of it. Because I talk with folks, all, I had this conversation this morning, I talk with folks all the time who say, you know, how's the market doing? Where's the S&P 500? And they say, well, that's where the market is. No, unfortunately, it's not. If you really want to take a look at it, look at the equal weight uh, S&P 500 index, meaning that all 500 companies are weighted evenly with regards to computing where the market is moving. Very different figure. Very, and, and this year, it's been a much more modest figure. Think flat to slightly negative uh, for this year. So, uh, so when we're looking at it, we're looking at, okay, well, the, the standard, the one that's used most often, market cap weighted, index uh, is, I think it's positive about 16% right now. Uh, really what we're looking at are, are large cap, mega cap technology companies. Very, very important. Very important when you're looking at your portfolio that you're doing as much to apples to apples comparison as you can. All right. So so we got that end of things. We got a hot couple of weeks uh, that we've had here. You heard me talk at the front end of today's Dollars and Cents show about the Actually, good numbers coming out of Walmart, but modest. Uh, we can't even say modest. Let's let's say reserved in terms of their look at what's going to be happening through the Christmas retail season here. Uh, we're starting to see that in a number of different areas. We're starting to see uh, things like um, uh, CPI coming down as well, which uh, which is good. I mean, that's 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 been the express uh, intent of the Federal Reserve in terms of pulling back on uh, uh, or raising rates, so that we're pulling back in terms of the price and intensity on things or or the buying intensity on things, that, uh, that that's, that's indeed the intended effect. And we're starting to see it. But what you also get often during that time is you get folks who do a little bit of turtling or do a little bit of the clamshell movement, uh, again, to keep the, to keep the, the animal metaphors uh, in there, where, where folks begin to get more reserved in terms of how they spend. And so, you know, there's been constant talk here over the last year and a half about what a soft landing. I still haven't had anybody identify what a soft landing actually is. I guess if we're not in a, in a depression, it's considered to be a soft landing because nobody's been able to quantify that for me. Every time that somebody has said that, and I've raised my hand and said, okay, what's a soft landing uh, in terms of quantifiable terms, nobody's able to do it. But uh, but I, I understand the spirit of it without being a curmudgeon. I understand the spirit of it. Uh, but I don't know how, how that land, I don't know, uh, again, where, where that looks like, uh, because there is, there is a negative effect from all of this. Uh, when you look at auto loans, I mean, I, I've looked at a couple of auto loans on behalf of clients in double digits, 10, 11% in terms of the interest rates on them right now. Certainly when it comes to mortgages, looking upwards of 7 8% uh, on mortgage rates right now, we're starting to see significant 
cooling off in the commercial real estate sector, meaning that, and I'm thinking most especially of, of our urban areas, uh, meaning uh, let's call it high rises, let's call it uh, skyscraper kinds of things, where we're seeing significant amounts on a relative basis, but significant amounts in the increase in, uh, uh, in vacant space. And in the challenges of folks either renewing leases or in uh, securing new tenants. Now, it's not true for everything. I mean, there certainly are places, uh, and Charlotte's one of them. We have a pretty notable amount of intensity with regards to new properties coming online and new tenants in them. But we also have a fairly notable amount of, uh, of vacancy, at least compared to where we have been here over the last several years. So we're watching that very closely because it's it's no one it's never one data point. If you if you take one data point and extrapolate too much, you're going to do yourself a service and you're going to get a skewed picture and probably an inaccurate picture. But when you start to line up the data points and the more data points, the merrier when it comes to this kind of thing, uh, because when you can do that, and if you can amalgamate them in some way that you can then establish a trend, well, then hopefully you're getting the most accurate picture on, uh, on what you're describing. So that's what we're looking at here with regards to the market. So in a go forward kind of way, you can probably imply it from uh, almost my tone of voice. And if you're watching us on the, on the socials, you can see it from my body language. We're pretty reserved in terms of what comes next. If we are in a space where there's going to be uh, more of, of, of a cooling off uh, with regards to the consumer end, then we're going to need to see what that means as far as GDP is concerned. We're going to need to see what that means insofar as uh, gro ongoing growth uh, is going to be. Is that going to be a blanket across the board? We don't see the kinds of things that would indicate a crash uh, in any way. We're not seeing that kind of intensity uh, in the market, but we are reserved, especially when we're looking, let's call it the equity markets for right now. We are reserved in terms of thinking about what growth possibilities are going to look like here over the next six to 12 months. Now, you got a couple some other things in there. We're going to get into the craziness of the presidential election season. You may say, well, we're already in it. You probably are right. But uh, we're going to get into the intensity of that. Now, does that have a direct effect on the markets? No, it does not. Um, is there some effect on the market in the short term? There's speculation about how the Oval Office and about how Congress uh, uh, relative to the elections is going to be balanced or unbalanced, depending upon how you want to describe it. And uh, and so there's speculation about what that means for the markets. That tends to be relatively short term uh, in terms of its effects. It truly, I mean, you don't have to believe me. Look at it historically. Because I have folks all the time say, well, if so-and-so gets in the, into office, then it's going to be fill in the blank. Perfect, miserable. Uh, it's usually one of those extremes where, where folks are saying that I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to disagree with you there. And it's not because I don't have my own political leanings, it's just because when you look at it historically, you can find significant positive and significant negative markets on both sides of the political ledger. You don't have to believe me. Take a look at it. I promise you, I'm a chart guy. I look at the stuff all the time. It really is true. So you, so you don't want to get too carried away with that. But it's definitely going to be noise in the system as uh, as, we're, as we're looking at it going forward. So we're going to be watching that as we come in you know, through the end of the year here and beginning uh, into, into 20, boy, 2024, ready or not. Uh, here we come. But, uh, but we're going to be watching that in terms of what that means overall for the markets. We're going to be watching the Federal Reserve, as we have with, well, we always do, but but certainly with regards to the intensity of, uh, of what their next movements are. Historically speaking, just in case you're wondering, historically speaking, after the end of a raising cycle, whenever that may be uh, for the Federal Reserve, in six to nine months, there usually is the possibility of their first rate cut. Now, that's because it's an imperfect science. It's, it's the kind of things where uh, folks aren't able, the, the Federal Reserve, even with all of their knowledge, is not able to do those kinds of things perfectly. So sometimes that can happen. And that's certainly what we're watching. Well, friends, we're rapidly approaching the end of this week's version of Dollars and Cents. Let's do a lightning fast recap before we zoom out here. Uh, again, the first half, if you missed out on it, Walmart, earnings good, 
go forward, not so strong, a little bit concerned about that with regards to what that means for the consumer. And uh, and then Oreos. I, I strongly urge you, and I don't usually make too many recommendations on this show, go ahead and test that. Make See if they're reducing the vanilla cream inside of the Oreos. If you don't like that, get Hydrox. They're good too. Uh, look at that. And then, uh, then in a more serious note, talking about charitable giving and the opportunities that we have there, you want to make sure that you do that before the year end. Very, very important that you get those things done before the end of the calendar year in order for them to be applicable to this tax season. And then lastly, looking at the markets, we're cautious going forward. Friends, thank you so much for spending time with us here on Dollars and Cents on WSIC. You've been listening to Dollars and Cents with certified financial planner Joshua Doby, owner of North Main Financial in Cornelius. Join us again next Thursday at 4 p.m. for Dollars and Cents on WSIC. News, talk, now. The new 1059 100.7 WSIC.